0: We've been doing, or you've been doing, since I've been away, we're talking about stewardship, and uh, we just think about, you know, it's the start of the year, you know, we, we're on a stewardship campaign. We're going to buy the the building next door. We're going to put the a cafe down there, put rooms down there, and expand it as you can see. So that's our vision. We believe we're going to remove everything you can see in here and just have one auditorium and change it. So we're looking forward to that. We need it. The Persians need it. We all need it. So. Uh, that's what we're believing for. So stewardship, what are we... But a stewardship is more than money. You know, and you mean, we're talking different areas about this. Stewardship is... We've got to stewardship of our time. We've got to stewardship of our talents, gifts we've given him. You know, uh, and we've got to stewardship the things that are going on in the inside of us. You know, there's, you, know, it, you know, life is lived not just on the outside, but I think life is lived on the inside. We've got to steward our thoughts and our emotions and our desires and a lot of people don't think much about that, but what you believe will be, uh, will be in your actions somewhere. It's quite interesting looking at uh, the ladies' ministries through history there, and we looked at some greats and, and showed out how their dress and how their beliefs and how their songs and everything changed their lives and the lives around about them. So you, you might not be realising, but your song, or your lament if it's not a song, <laughs> is changing you. You know, your thought life. You, know, you might, know, you might, know, you might be, have read all about visualization or something else and faith and imagination and, and, and say, well, it's not working for you. Let me assure you, it is working for you. This is not the way you want it. You've got to, you've got to start to steward our lives sometimes and look back and say, hey, what is God saying to me? What's happening? And uh, I picked on Joshua uh, today for stewardship. So let me read to you Joshua chapter 22, verse 1 to 8. It says Joshua called the Reubenites, the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh and said to them, You've kept all that Moses, my servant, has commanded you. And you've obeyed my voice and all that I've commanded you. You've left your brethren these many days up to this day. But you've kept charge of the commandment of the Lord your God. And now... God has given you rest to your brethren, as is promised. Now, therefore, return to your tents and to the land of your possessions, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you on the other side of Jordan. But but take careful heed to do the commandments of the Lord, or the law, I should say, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you. To love your Lord, your God, to walk in all of His ways, to keep his commandments, to hold fast to him and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. So Joshua blessed them, sent them away, and they went to their tents. Now to the half-tribe of Manasseh, Moses had given a possession in Bashem, But to the other half of it, Joshua gave possession among their brethren on this side of the Jordan westward. And indeed, when Joshua sent them away to their tents, he blessed them. And he spoke to them, saying, Return with much riches to your tents, with very much livestock, with silver, with gold, with bronze, with iron, and very much clothing. Ladies, you can never have a big enough closet. They had very much clothing. This this should be this should be you should write down this promise and remind you. I'm, I'm on your side today, okay? I told you I got changed at, uh, in uh, L.A. with very much crowd. Divide the spoil of your enemies with your brethren. Now, this is a unique passage of scripture. In fact, uh, I, I think Joshua is, is one of my favourite spiritual leaders in the whole Bible. You know, it, it's quite amazing what and. He's gone through some amazing times. Because, you know, when you look at Joshua, you know, I mean, he'd spent 40 years following the pillar of fire by night and the cloud by day. He spent 40 years eating manna, you know. He spent 40 years without any clothes, wearing out. And all of a sudden, when he gets into the promised land, the manna stops. No more food, something from God. I mean, that's got to be a shock to the system, hasn't it? It's like the welfare but uh, check being cut off. The, no more cloud. I wonder how many, no more pillar fire. I wonder if he ever woke up and thought this was easy for Moses. He knew exactly where God was and what God was doing. I don't have a clue sometimes. You know, I, I'm not saying he said those words, but I, I'm sure that if, he, if that was me, that's what I'd be thinking. And so he gets there. You know, and we've got to remember this one thing, that every season of life changes. Nothing stays the same. And we can't do the same things all the time. Because God is moving and He's changing things. You know, sometimes we get, we get caught into a season and we wonder why it doesn't work. Well, you know, there's this change happening. Yeah, Joshua and the whole of Israel learnt one lesson. You know, that God supplied their needs. That was the illness. You know, he's supplying the needs. But when he got to the promised land, God was maturing them through these blessings, through the battle. They had you know, they had to get their own, they had to fight their battles, they had to fight for the land, they had to fight for their food, they had to take that, you know, they had to literally take it in battle, yeah, in war. There's a change. You know, and sometimes in life we, we go through, and I think you see it a lot of times in new Christians. You know, you get a new Christian who gets saved and he comes back next week and says, oh, you wouldn't believe what happened to me. My mother got saved. My father got saved. My brother got saved. You know, I got healed of arthritis. You know, uh, you know I got a check in the mail. All my bills are paid. <laughs> and, you're, and you're probably saying something like, oh, gee, was, I can't think of anything that happened to me last week. <laughs> Do you ever feel that? You know, that God just kind of blesses sometimes new converts. You know, it's, it's, it's like, uh, you know, that God gives a... a, a a bell to a new convert and just said, Look, if you ever have a problem, ring the bell. <laughs> and so they ring the bell and God comes running. What can I do for you? I'd love to do that for you because <laughs> like, that's who I am. And then, but somewhere along the line, He comes running back to them and said, Oh, I need that bell back, ago, back again. And this is what's going to happen now. I'm going to ring it and you're going to come running. There's a whole change. And that's what happens in life. You know, like, like God, God was, uh, what you think of the finances, God, uh, he gave, uh, th- thank you for the cheering there. <laughs> Need the encouragement. Uh, I think of, uh, I'm losing my thought, trying my thought, but uh, <laughs> I was thinking of, uh I've lost the whole thing. I know the bell part. Yeah, oh, I know what happened. Audrey's got the bell She has. It's changed, Audrey. You're preaching. <laughs> Keep it up. Now, what I was going to talk about. It's amazing that that when the, the Israelites left Egypt, that was the fear of the of the Egyptians was so great upon them that they grave and. Gold and they gave him silver and they gave, them, they gave them all this, you know, they gave them cloth, they gave the whole lot. And they get out in the middle of the desert and God says, Oh, by the way, we're going to build a temple and I'm taking him an offering. So they had to give the whole lot back again. But this time they gave it a willing heart. You know, sometimes God does that, you know, he, he does, you know, there's something about the wilderness that tests the hearts of people. You know, sometimes we think, we think something's stable, but it's not. It's not till it's tested. We think we have faith, but then suddenly, when a problem comes, you know, you know, it's not. You don't know healing till you've been sick. But if you've been sick, you know God heals. If you believe God, you, you don't know what a battle's like till you go through the battle. This is this is the maturity things we happen, and that's not my message. But my message is very simple today. There's three things that I believe that made Joshua different than most other leaders. I'm amazed when I look at Joshua that when you come to the New Testament, Joshua is only mentioned twice in the whole book. And yet he was a leader who was born in slavery, lived it through the, the greatest time of Israel's history, the Exodus, he took the promised land. There's only two things mentioned about him. You know, he's the ideal leader. He's a great follower. You know, he's he's uh, been a faithful in everything he does. And yet there's two things that mention him. And, and it's interesting because the first one is what he didn't do. The second one is what he did do. Both are in the book of Hebrews. What didn't he do? It says Joshua didn't lead the people into rest. Only Jesus Christ can do that. He thought he led them to rest, but he didn't lead them to rest. He never left. You know, Ever since Joshua, Israel has been fighting its enemies. We've been fighting our enemies. You know, the, the rest has never come. The, the promise has come. You know, we're still yet to enter into the rest of God. But the second thing it said about Jehovah's, That was in Hebrews 3 and 4, but but then you get to Hebrews 11, it talks about, or it alludes to Joshua, you know, by faith the walls of Jericho fell down. He didn't get some things, and he got others. Now, I thought a lot about Joshua, because I think Joshua lived in one of the most difficult periods of Israel's history slavery. He saw the greatest deliverances. He sees Pharaoh's army destroyed. And he sees Moses in, in, in the mountain. And he's, he's taken to the mountain, but he's not allowed to put th- foot on it. But yet at the same time, he sees the whole of Israel creating a molten calf and worshipping it. I mean, you know, what makes a person able to handle the problems that it's saw because. When when he's stepped in the promised land, one million people had died of his generation. Only Caleb of his generation. Moses didn't make it. Only Moses walked with him. Two aged men ready to take on the mission of God. I mean, when you think, boy... We we're the only survivors. We're the only survivors. Okay? He should have been suffering from post-traumatic stress syndrome, from everything he'd been through, everything he'd saw. But he walked on there and something was different about him. You know, what, what made him stand out amongst other leaders? I've put it down to three simple things, and these are not going to be profound things. At all, because you're going to say, oh, I know that. But I guess I'm going to ask you this question. Do you really know that? And if you really know that, do you live that? Number one, the thing that changed Moses most of all is this little word called hope. No matter what happened, he hoped for a better outcome. He expected God to move. He expected things to change. He expected that he'd make the promised land. He expected that he'd overcome the giants. He expected that, that you know, God would open the sea up for him and, and, and he'd walk through you know, the, the, the flooded Jordan River. You know, he expected that he'd win every battle. He expected to take that. You know, he lived in hope. You no know, you wonder know, Paul would say, you know, faith, hope and love are the three greatest things you can have. You know, if we don't have hope, I want to say, you know, whatever happens this year, you know, whatever situation, you know, it's hope has got to be the foundation of your life. It doesn't matter whether you've lost a job. It doesn't matter what the economy is saying. It doesn't matter what Trump is saying or not Trump is not saying. You know, it doesn't matter what's happening in America. You know, it, it matters whether you have a positive expectation because God is in your life and God controls your life and God loves you and God, God has a purpose for you. You know, you cannot lose hope. Today, no matter what I'm going through, this is here, and I can overcome it. End of oh my message. Hope. Let me give you a scripture. Isaiah 51, verse 10. them, Just one on hope. Uh, Isaiah 51, verse 10. Are you not the one who dried up the sea? But that's a pretty powerful thought. Aren't you, not, aren't you the one, God, who dried up the sea? I mean, he, he's, Joshua saw that. The waters of great depth that made the depths of the sea road for the redeemed to cross over. God made a highway in the deepest part of the sea. So the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing and with everlasting joy in their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and And sighing shall flee away. Now that's a great testament of hope, isn't it? No matter what happens, you know. You know, sorrow and sighing will go away. Now, what everyone says, you know, he's going to lead us to Zion. You know, whatever's going on in your life and my life in this world, God has taken us to Zion. We haven't got there yet. You know, we've got glimpses of it. You know, you know, we've experienced the presence of God, but one day it's not going to be as it is. You know, God's going to come back again. You know, he's going to change and create a new heavens and new earth, and we're going to relive this thing again the right way. That's our greatest hope. See, some people have a hope of eternity, that we're going to get to heaven. Well, we will get to heaven. But some people think they're going to live in heaven. Well, I've got bad news for you. Heaven wasn't made for you. I mean, you know, any more than the moon was made for you to live on. You know, earth was made for you. God made the earth for man. And the land, like when we talk about Israel and they had to take that land, you know, you know, the, it, it goes a lot bo- broader than just Joshua. It goes to every human being on earth that has the breath of God. He's given us the land, this earth that is ours, and He's going to redeem it and change it. And we're going to come back down here, and He's going to live with us and temple with us in a new Jerusalem. You know, where you know, We'll all know Him, and He'll be the light of the world. He'll change. You know, that's our hope. But no matter what happens politically, financially, emotionally, you know, it's going to be a new land with a new life. That's the promise of God. And every place that we step upon it is ours. That's our hope. The great hope. So it doesn't matter what's going on, we will return with joy. Now Joshua had to believe it. You know, he was you know, he's one of the few people that got to see history and its making from the beginning to the end. He got to see slavery in Egypt. He got to see them in the wilderness, and he finally got to see the rewards of taking the land. I mean, there's not too many things you can actually see. Sometimes when you build a project, you don't get to see the end of it. You know, it's bigger there. I mean, but he actually got to see that thing taken. You know, we won't get to see our project necessarily unless Jesus comes back, and I think Jesus is coming back quicker than we think. The reason I say that is, you know, we've lost our consciousness of God. Yeah, there's something called global warming. Yeah, and it's man-made. You know, well, I mean, I believe global is warming, but I think it's got more to do with God shaking this world. Yeah, when I when when I went to Pasadena, you know, everyone's in Pasadena says, "You know, are you guys okay?" You know, you, uh, you know, they're kind of like smelling me to see if I smelled the smoke. You know, you've been through the fire and haven't been burning <laughs> you know, it's, you know, it's, it's only those bad parts of Australia that are burning up. You know, <laughs> we're okay here in Queensland. <laughs> but I didn't say that. But you, know, you realise that we've had the worst fires. You know, we've had the worst fires. But you know the thing that amazes me, and I think I, unless I've missed it on the news lately. We've got a spirit-filled, tongue-talking Prime Minister. Thank God for that. We've got a spirit-filled, tongue-talking, and see going Mayor of Brisbane. How good is that? By the midst of all this tongue-talking, spirit-filled people, I didn't hear one in the greatest crisis that this nation has seen said, let's call for a national day of prayer. Is there something wrong when the church doesn't want to pray? I don't expect the heathens to want to pray. But I do expect the church should pray. I mean, isn't it, you know, we, we, we want to blame everybody else and everything else there, you know, but we don't want to call out to God. We, we say man's the problem. It's, you know, it's not, man is not the problem. It's our problem is not getting a hold of God. If my people who called by name, shall humble themselves and pray, I'll heal their land. The answer to the global warming is prayer and intercession. It doesn't matter where you go. You know, I... I I went there, we only have uh, seven students in the cohort, but one of the young guys, one of the brightest young guys I've ever met, uh, Joshua. Joshua, I mean, just before he came, he was sending his texts, and you probably didn't even bother see, seeing this on the news, because there's just so many things happening in this, this world. You I mean, his whole city, You know, he's, he's 30 miles from an earth, from a, a, a um, mountain volcano, and it's erupting. I mean, we don't even hear about them. I mean, they're covered in ash. There's people, you know, they, they've excavated, they, they've, they've uh, taken people out of cities, Evacu- evacuated. evacuated. Thank you. <laughs> Community <laughs> preach. <laughs> yeah, you know, wherever you turn, there's flood, there's fire, there's famine. I mean, you go to the airports and there's not many people there. And everybody's wearing a mask. You know, and and we're, talking about, you know, we're talking about catastrophes that are happening. You know, isn't that the book of Revelation? Yep. You know, the earth is groaning. You know, this earth, the place that we put our foot upon, is groaning. You know, we, we have to take our land. You know, our great hope is, is you know, God has a purpose for this place. And we have, you know, we've got a mission to save people, see people changed. You know, and yet, the other side of the return of Christ is very simple. Not only will there be cat- catastrophes in some places, but other places like Queensland, Brisbane, will say, nothing's happening here. We got rain. We're giving a marriage. We're building barns and bigger barns. We're building, extending the church. <laughs> We're okay. You know, you know, it's, it's 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 these these two things happen, and you know, and it's so it's so easy to miss the urgency of the hour we live in. You know, I believe. You know, we need, like Joshua needed, the presence of God. There's one thing that Joshua continually needed. You know, God dwelt with them. Yeah. You know, We've always needed the presence of God. Man hasn't always recognised it. Yeah, you know, the the thing that surprises me when I read the book of Genesis, chapter one and chapter two, when it talks about, you know, God created the earth and He said it was good. Yeah, you know, the word that uh, I'm, I keep on saying, why didn't He create the word perfect? He created it good. We were never born into a perfect world. But we're born in a good world. A good world. Yeah? No wonder when we do good things we get pleasure out of it. You know when you do a good job or you know, build make a garden or get dressed and you know, say, Boy, you look good today. We like good things, don't we? And we take pleasure because that's a godlike quality. But you know, in the midst of all those good things, God had an open heaven, and there's no record that God warned Adam and Eve about the serpent. There's no record of it, record of the temptation, record of everything else, record of the encounter. But you know, we've got to realize that we're at spiritual warfare, but our hope is in God. We need the presence of God. You know, there's, you, you can't follow God without following His presence. Joshua needed, you know, Moses found that out. He tried to solve God's problems. He, well, I should say, Moses tried to solve God's problems his way and ended up spending 40 years in the wilderness. So the presence of God came down and met him. You know, the presence of God on the mountain. He followed, you know, Moses got a hold of the presence of God and he realized that whatever trouble he, he was in, it wasn't the letter of the law. Is how he lived by, although he abided by, don't get me wrong, but he lived by the presence of God. In fact, what made Moses such a great leader is that he had the ability, every time he got into a problem, he'd go to the presence of God and ask God and God would speak to him because that's what God wants always to do is to live face to face with us you know the unique thing about the word you know when it says God lives in his presence the presence of God you know the word for presence God dwelling amongst people the word for presence in the Hebrew is the same word face to face see God wants to Moses couldn't meet with God face to face God had to hide him in the cleft of the rock you remember but you know we have Christ now And, you know, we don't get face-to-face with him yet. There's that invisible barrier, isn't there? But even in spite of the invisible barrier, God is still here. He manifests himself different ways at different times and different seasons. The pillar, the cloud. But, you know, he's with us and with the Holy Ghost, isn't he? Christ in you, the hope of glory. The presence of God. You know, we need to spend time face to face with God. In our cohort, we had a. They've got a big screen TV, huge screen TV, and they beam in a pastor every so often from some other place. That, and we had one, a lecturer, from, again, from George Fox University, and uh, he was in charge of spiritual formation. He's talked about his life and crash that he had in his life he talked about that of all the times and all the students and all the people that that he counseled he counsels people right across the world he said you know the most important thing to do that I'd advise you to do every day is spend 20 minutes every day 20 minutes every day in silence you know what silence does makes you listen to the other voices. The voice of your fears. It ultimately leads you to the voice of God. What's God saying to you? you know, if we don't give time and learn to stewardship our life with Him, then we're never ready to meet the obstacles of life. We lose that thing called hope and faith and love. Bless God. My time's up, and I'm only one-third through my message. But, but I think we've got the picture. You know, I, I encourage us this year to make a decision to have face-to-face time with God every day. Make it a goal and say, look, no matter what happens, how busy I am, whatever, I just want I, I to hear the voice of God. I want to hear the Spirit of God leading me so that I can get, know what to do in the Jordan rivers and flood. So I want to know what to do when I hit my Jericho. I know what to do when I've failed at AI. I know what to do in this town that you know it, it's the presence of God and listening to God that made these leaders great. And we've got the same spirit. So let's make our decision this year to be face to face with our God, listening to Him, talking to him and saying, "God, tell me what I've got to do." We'll never find it through all the science of this world, which was helpful. But sometimes we're just like Job. Everyone had the answer and telling him what was wrong and everything else, but they all got it wrong with all their thoughts about his life, his best friends, because none of them knew that God and Satan had a conversation and that's why he was going through this issue. See, so you only hear that from God. Sometimes God won't even tell you that he's had that conversation. But what God will do, he'll bless you, he'll speak to you, he'll comfort you, he'll encourage you, he'll talk to you, he'll strengthen you, he'll reveal himself to you. That's the goodness of God. He'll tell you what to do in the midst of it, even if he doesn't tell you why. He'll tell you what to do in the midst. That's our God. That's what makes the greatness. That's our goal this year is to get face-to-face with God. Come, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that as we gather here this morning that you'd help us to live a life of closeness to you, a life where we'd hear your voice. Because you said, my sheep, hear my voice. Father, we want to be led by the Spirit. We want to be strengthened by the Spirit. We want to live in the Spirit. Lord, we covet your presence. We want to honor your presence in this house. We want to follow that presence all the days of our life. Bless us today, Lord. Bless every family. Bless everyone who's struggling. In Jesus' name, amen.